We're doing Tucson later for a business thing, you know. What kind of business you in? One career all females have in common, being a woman. Something's crossed over in me. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hi. You'll notice there are three voices here, three disembodied voices. <laughs> Let's do a harmony. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I can't sing. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of your hosts, Kiki slash Kristen. Emily. <laughs> and, uh, but we got to introduce Rachel. Our ex- Rachel's been here once before yeah. to, re- to record The Parent Trap. Rachel and I have known each other since we were eight. So do you um, introduce the movie, Em? Oh, I didn't do that yet. It's September 17th as we speak, as we record this. So it's the beginning of fall and spooky spooky season. season. Not that you can tell in Phoenix, Arizona, but in where Kristen is in Metro Detroit and where Rachel is in Northeast Wisconsin, you can tell it's starting to be spooky fall, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep, The leaves are turning. You have that smell, like the fall smell. Almost there. We're almost there. We're false fall a little bit, but ooh, it's a coming. So we're going to be doing some quality scary movies this fall. Today, we are covering The Others, starring Nicole Kidman, which came out 22 years ago, which is I I was just born. (laughs) okay i'm 22 yeah sure so am i (laughs) well if emily is then i am yeah yeah no we were all born in the 80s jk yeah Yeah. we're we're 80s babies rachel and i saw this movie together oh you did yeah we're together yeah (gasps) that's so special so emily i need to ask you because i feel like when we were in junior high this wouldn't have been a movie that would be something that you would want to see no, no. Yeah, we would have been like 11 because this came out in 01. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was a summer movie. That's what I thought. This came out August 10th, 2001 in the United States. Oh, cool. And that 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 does, yeah. That's how I remember it too because I remember it being hot. And didn't we walk to the theater? Yeah, and I got in big trouble. You got in trouble? <laughs> oh, why is that? I didn't have permission to walk from the mall to the theater. Oh. It was it's it, this mall is right next to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. It's like two blocks away. Yeah, I remember after the movie was over, I called home, and my brother answered, and he goes, "You're in big trouble." Oh, no. <laughs> Did you call with a cell phone or from a payphone? <laughs> from a payphone. Yeah, we had a payphone yeah, yeah. in the mall. Yeah, we talked about that last time. Yeah. So, do you like what made you want to see this oh, movie? Do you oh, remember? from Nicole Kidman. I've been in oh, okay. Nicole- I've been a Nicole Stan forever. Cause I think I, I by this point I had seen Moulin Rouge. You were obsessed with Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was like, Nicole, I gotta see Nicole. <laughs> I remember you being a Nicole Stan too. We both were stands. <laughs> I don't remember loving I don't even know if I ever watched Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I didn't make you watch it. I pretty oh, maybe. Um 
but yeah, I, I, I think, I think I liked her growing up. And Rachel's middle name is Nicole. Yes. Oh, cool. Kiki, were you a Moulin Rouge stan? I feel like you would have been. So I had a really strict household. So a lot of the movies I saw would probably be at like friends' houses, but I don't think I saw that one, but we had the soundtrack. Me and my sister did. Yeah. So in the car, we would listen to it to and from school. So I, I like, I saw it as an adult, but I, I feel like I know this, I know this movie, but I don't. It was so weird. So Kristen, do you remember the first time that you saw this movie? There's, it, it was with Emily. Um, she showed it to me. I was at her house. I love spooky movies. So it really wasn't, I was really excited to do it. And this one is pretty, pretty fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. Like where I'm trying to figure out where it fits in like, it's not a thriller. I mean, there's spooky elements to it, but like, how would you categorize this? Like film? a horror, a horror thriller. Horror. I feel like it had a lot of gothic elements gothic, to it. Yeah. It's like a gothic, yeah. I would say like horror suspense. Do you guys, have you, I don't know if this is a movie or not, but I read a book last year called The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, it's That's on my classic, list. classic, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Is that oh, a Shirley cool. Jackson, Rachel? Yes, it is. I had a Shirley Jackson movie on our list. There, there was one called Shirley that's about her that we could maybe cover. Ooh, and there's one cool. called, and there's one called We've We Have Always Lived in the Castle. And Rachel, do you remember? Oh my God, didn't they remake that? But it was really bad. And like Catherine yeah. Zeta-Jones. Catherine yeah, it's called The Haunting. And it's on it, Netflix, right? I don't know. Is they, it? So Netflix has a series. Um, yeah. But they also had a movie, I think. Oh, from you're right. Oh, yeah, because there was a movie that was bad, and I remember Catherine Zeta-Jones was in it, and I remember watching that with you, Rachel. And I yeah, we watched that. Really scared, but I'm sure if we watched it now, I think I remember <laughs> the effects are terrible in it. Oh yeah, gotcha. I was terrified, and I'd be interested to know if any of our spooky fan listeners have <laughs> ever watched that and what they think too. Oh, I bet if anyone here is into like horror, yeah. probably. So that's our history with this movie. Um. And I will just read some stamps because that's what we do. <laughs> stamps, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, I already said this movie was released on August 10th, 2001 in the U.S. It was released in Spain on September 7th, 2001, because this is a Spanish filmmaker and it was filmed on location in Spain. And if you notice, like when you're watching the credits, so many of the names are Spanish. Okay. Yeah, so this movie was written and directed by Alejandro Amenabar, and he was like in his late 20s when he made this film. Wow. And he scored it as well. Oh yeah. my gosh. So a, prodig- a prodigious talent for sure. I'll just read the stat. So uh, produced by Fernando Bovaira, Jose Luis Cuerda, and Soon Min Park, which was the one female producer. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I think Tom Cruise is, he's at least listed as an executive producer, but I don't know how much like input he actually had. His name just might have been on it. He's listed as it. I wonder if he was helping fund it in a way. Yeah. He might have been because, so this was the last project they worked on at all, in any capacity together, Tom and Nicole. Mm. They were like the Hollywood it couple of the 90s. But he like, so this director directed the original version, Spanish version of a movie he ended up sh- doing, Tom Cruise. I think it was Vanilla Sky. Do you guys remember that oh, movie? Oh, yeah, Vanilla Sky. Yeah, like Penelope Cruz and Cameron Diaz were in it. Tom Cruise saw that movie and really liked it. 
and then he must have reached out to the director and then and then they must have started talking about this movie that this young director wanted to develop and Tom probably was like cool I'll help <laughs> why don't you check out Nicole <laughs> but <laughs> like at this point in Nicole's career she was like in her early 30s here and she had done but she had done like Eyes Wide Shut with Tom with Stanley Kubrick I think she really proved her acting chops in a movie called To Die For which came out in like 1995 I want to say with that mm-hmm. was a Gus Van Sant movie but she wasn't like Nicole Nicole yet kind of <laughs> as we know her now so I think this was kind of maybe a gamble to cast her in this, but she's so good in this. She's like perfect in this movie. I love her so much in this movie. Yeah, I feel like she's one of those actors yeah. that can carry a film where you need a lot of like expression and yeah. close-up shots yeah. to build fear in your audience and or tension, you know? She's a great one for that, yeah. The director said that he was drawn to her because of her eye expressions. Yeah. Her eyes, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And she killed it. Yeah, no, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> he really did. Yeah, he met her because I guess she was reluctant to do it. She was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then they and he also was not sure about casting her. But then he met her and was like, oh, yeah, her face and her eyes. And she's so Yeah, she's this might be my favorite, Nicole. I don't know. She's just perfectly magic. But yeah, she's perfectly. That's my, is that your Nicole? Yeah, that's my Nicole. I want to do so many Nicole movies on this podcast. I do want to do Practical Magic and I do want to do The Hours. <laughs> And I oh, do the like hours. That one. Rachel, yeah, Rachel knows the hours. Yeah. And the and then the beguiled where she did with Sofia Coppola. Yeah, there's a lot of Yeah, okay. we need to do a deep dive. Oh my yes. gosh. Nicole oh deep- my gosh. Fall of Nicole. Oh, that sounds bad. Uh, Wait, what's that? Because <laughs> we did Summer of June. Oh, you're right. So like uh but I was like, Fall of Nicole sounds like she's uh <laughs> falling from her Grace. from Grace. An autumn of Nicole. Autumn of Nick. I listened to a podcast called the kid manifesto which oh. is, it's all of Nicole's movies and it's good Neat. okay anyway so yes the movie is starring Nicole Kidman Fanula Flanagan who's Mrs. Mills and she's so good in this Christopher Eccleston, Elaine Cassidy, Eric Sykes, and the children are played by Alakina Mann and James Bentley. And they're really good. These kids are mm. good in this movie. All right. Cinematography. I'm going to kill this. <laughs> Javier Ag- God. Aguirre-Cerobe. <laughs> Maybe Kristen should be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Edited by Nacho Ruiz Capillas. And like I said, it was scored by Alejandro Emanabar. And it was made on a budget of $17 million, and it earned $209.9 million. Oh, so it was a wow. huge hit. And I think at the time, it was like the highest grossing film in Spain ever. Wow. So, And those are the stats. New so, life goal is to go ghost hunting in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> that well, be- that house is to die for. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I thought of, I was like right away, like when they did the establishing shot in the beginning, I was like, Kristen's dream house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so- I'll just tell him, leave the cobwebs, you know, leave, like leave it all. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I wonder like, so this was shot on location, but how they must have just found a day where it was fo- cloudy to do all those establishing shots. Cause I don't think it's cloudy like that a lot. <laughs> and they might have used. I know there's really limited special effects in this movie, but like CG fog and yeah, right. Because I was like, this is so because it's 
anyway fog should get um a, a credit of its own oh definitely. yeah yeah we can talk about what the fog and what that probably co-starring fog <laughs> yeah yeah she's like a second on the call sheet <laughs> yeah. now yeah. really roll in yeah. with next to like nicole like nicole was the highest paid and then the fog <laughs> <laughs> oh okay okay before we even start this movie, it takes on everything in it takes on a new meaning once you learn about the twist. And I want to talk about it. So should we just talk about the twist from the beginning or no? I think we need to. Kristen, only, what do you think? Only if I can sing a spoilers ahead song really fast. Okay, do, go it. Ahead. Okay. do it. Spoilers, spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. <laughs> okay. We are. Yeah, because I, I don't want to have to go back and then be like, remember that line? Remember yeah. that? Wait, what did this mean? Okay. Okay, everyone. So spoilers so it turns out at the end of the movie that nicole kidman and the servants that she meets in the beginning and her children and her husband that returned from the war are all dead they did they did okay we'll get to how that happened but then when you watch the movie again and i this movie is great on rewatch. You know, I've seen it a yeah. number of times, but then you're like, oh, that's why they said that. And that's what the meaning of that scene was. And so it's just better when you know. <sighs> Emily, I have a little like Wait. 10 second <gasps> overview. Okay, do just it. like a little. Do it, do it. Okay, this is what I wrote. The Others is set on the Channel Islands in England one week after World War II has ended. Our main character, Grace, is living in a large Gothic mansion with her two children who are allergic to sunlight. She is still waiting for her husband to return from the war. One week ago, her servants all disappeared and unexplainable things start happening in the house. Rachel, that was good. That was awesome. Rachel, you could write jacket copy. That was really good. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. So... Nicole plays this woman named Grace and she, like Rachel said, she lives on this gorgeous mansion. It's so beautiful. Uh, uh, And like you said, the Channel Islands, Jersey, whatever. Yep. And it was like the one place that was a part of the UK that was occupied by Nazis. Right, Rachel? Yeah, that's what they uh, said in the movie that was occupied by Nazis. Yeah, during the war. Grace lives there alone with her two children, Anna and Nicholas. Anna is the older of the two siblings, and they are photosensitive, as Nicole Kidman says. They're photosensitive. They will die if they are exposed to sunlight. And the movie starts with, well, first there's a nice, lovely voiceover by Nicole where she's telling the creation story of the world, and there's these creepy illustrations Rach, we talked about this, but do you remember being like, okay, so Nicole's Australian, she's famously Australian. She has a perfect like received pronunciation in this. Do you think it's harder to go Aussie to to British or American to British or Aussie to American? What do you think? Well, I think it's, it would, for me being an American, my perspective would be it's easier for an Australian to speak in a British accent. Like that RP dialect. She's so good. Just because they both sound (laughs) <laughs> like more similar to each other than an American accent does. But what do you think, Kiki? Especially when actors who do it so flawlessly yeah. make it sound easy. It's yeah. really hard to tell. But I do think those two accents are close, more closely than an American one. Yeah. We have such harsh, like, especially as I have a mid- hard R. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And in some of her movies, I think Nicole has a hard time with American sometimes. Sometimes oh, it's good. Really? And sometimes it's, oh, you, you can tell you're Australian. <laughs> well, <laughs> when we watch, when we watch um, Practical Magic, we'll have to evaluate. But she's so, yeah, she's perfect in this movie. She's, she's just flawless. So anyway, the film begins. There's an establishing shot of this spook, spooky house across this like river and there's fog everywhere. It's very atmospheric. And I feel like this could be really cheap, but it's it works. <laughs> it starts with Nicole screaming bloody murder. <laughs> I have a I have a bone to pick. Okay. So okay. in the beginning, it's this story. It's kind of she's telling it to her children, but yeah. it's whisper quiet. That's Nicole is famous for that. She's famous for whisper acting. So then in response, you turn up the volume really loud on your TV so you can hear what's going on. Oh. <laughs> and then it, it like cuts to the house. It's complete silence. Yep. And then the scream happens. Nicole screams. The blood curdling scream. And she's lying down and the camera is, is horizontal, if I remember correctly. Yep. This movie is shot really well, too. It, look, it looks so good. Okay, but since we spoiled it, since we already spoiled what happened, I guess we didn't spoil how it happened. We this film is... This film is very dark, but I still enjoy it. And I'll tell you more about why I enjoy it when we, when we get to the end. So it turns out that Nicole, her character, Grace, went mad, as they say. She went mad. And she killed her children. She smothered them to death with a pillow and then shot herself with a shotgun. That's what that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And so when she's screaming like that, is she waking up, as it were, from what she did? What do you think? I just got chills. I feel like definitely that is what happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I was wondering, because I wasn't clear on the timeline, that new family, that posh family, what, like how long ago did this incident happen with, with Nicole? Has it literally only been like two weeks? Because remember, I I think it's been a week. Well, yeah. Because doesn't she say like two weeks ago, the servants disappeared without a word. And so she was alive when they left? No, I think when she had killed herself, yeah. the servants disappeared. Okay. But I really love, this is like way at the end of the movie, but when she's describing what happened to her children, yeah, she said, I pulled the trigger, then nothing. I heard yeah. your laughter in the bedroom. Yeah. So like everything was okay. Like God was giving mm. her a second chance. So it's like, I don't know. I like your interpretation that that screen means that that's when she did it. That's when she did it. Wow. Is that Henry? Oh, sorry. Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's my little dog, Henry. Yeah, we got Henry and then we got Dooney. Dooney is passed out in the background. Rachel, <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was thinking. Because I feel like this, just from how this movie is written, and then when you go back and watch it again, this director is a really smart <laughs> screenwriter. So I feel like stuff just isn't random. I don't think right. he was just like, here's a nice cheap jump scare to start my movie by having it start with Nicole screaming. I think that's, she's either, she either dreamed of what happened, right? Like what yeah. she did, or she literally just did it. But I don't know. I don't. I, yeah. I like, a, oh, go ahead, Rachel. Yeah. I said, I, I like your interpretation that that means that she just did it. But I also think it does serve a, a purpose of introducing you to Nicole and the fact that um, something is very disturbing to her. She's troubled. She's yeah. she's a troubled soul in this movie. And she's yeah. so good because she's so placid on the surface, but she's roiling on the inside. Mm. You can just tell she's a tormented character and she does a great job. 
portraying that. It's also a, a film device. I mean, as you were calling it like a cheap, you know, <laughs> yeah, it could be, yeah. but I do think it's effective though, you know, no matter what it's so effective at giving your audience like, okay, this is the tone. This is a horror go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, even if it was just a film device, like it's so effective that we can forgive it. <laughs> but I think like you said, Emily, too, once you've seen the movie through, you know what happens yeah. and you go back and you're looking for those things, it starts to click yeah. together. And she's All so the good. evidence. She's so good. We, we were talking, Rachel, I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going off like tan <laughs> on tangents. Rachel, there was this terrible commercial from that, you know, like one of those local commercials. What were you talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh my God. So like my mom filmed it one time when we were there because it's so bad. It's a tire commercial, <laughs> but it, it's so badly acted. It, it's funny. And every time we'll sometimes we'll quote it because he just like looks dead into the camera at the end and goes, yes, we make all, we, we sell all sorts of tires and it's so bad. It, like no. it's laughably bad, but watching it and still referencing it now, I'm like, wow, acting is hard. <laughs> you don't realize, like you don't realize until you see bad acting. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. hard and it's a skill. Nicole is so good. They didn't film this thing in sequence, right? So when they shot the scene, they were just like, okay, Nicole, I want you to wake up as if and scream as if you've just murdered your children. I don't right. know. <laughs> like, I, I, it's impressive to me. I don't know. Anyway, so that happens. She like gets up, she recovers herself, she checks her watch. And we are introduced to these three new characters they're walking up to the house there's an older man and an older woman and a young girl and here's another thing they walk onto the scene in the middle of a conversation and did you notice what they were talking about oh you're gonna have to remind me okay they're basically saying this movie gives itself away yeah i did notice that throughout the movie immediately this is so obvious yeah (laughs) they're they're all like ha 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 laughing and then mrs mills who's played by fanula flanagan she's so good she's so good in this she's like oh ha ha i wonder what happened to him and then the older guy mr tuttle i like how she says it mr tuttle he's like Oh, I suppose they're dead like all the rest. It's right there. Wow. <laughs> They've been dead for over 50 years. So they're probably talking about someone they knew for 50 years ago and laughing wow. about something that happened. Like, oh, I wonder what happened to him. And yeah, he's probably dead. Just like we're all dead. Wow. But it gives itself away. Right away. Right so away. Cool. Right? Yeah, there's so many times that I'm <laughs> like, oh, this is so obvious. Yeah, it but- is. Then, So they're knocking on the door and Nicole answers it. Yes. Good morning, ma'am. We've come about this. Oh, yes, of course. Come in. I wasn't expecting you so soon. And they're like, oh, we're here. And she she kind of doesn't even let them finish. She's like, oh, yes, you must be here to, to answer the posting. I'm looking for staff since all my servants ran away. And so she invites them inside. There's three of them, like I said. And Nicole is, I keep saying it. She is perfect in this movie. <laughs> she, she lets them in and just the way she stands, her posture and it's everything about her. She's just, she really, she, she is this character. She's very commanding. She's so commanding. Yeah. Her whole bearing and authority. And I was like, how much of this is how tall she is and how much is Nicole acting? Both. I think, yeah, yeah. definitely both. 
she's just she beautifully plays this character because it's she tells a line of being strong and being fragile, being tormented. She does take the lead a lot and she's able to direct her staff where she wants them and she doesn't yeah. take any crap. She's scary. She's yeah. actually scary. She's intimidating. When she says that line to Lydia and she's towering over all of them. She's a tall woman, but when she says to Lydia, "What's the matter? Cat got your tongue." I'm like, "I yeah, she's she's in, she's been very intimidating." You are I'm Bertha Mills, ma'am, and this is Edmund Tuttle. Pleased to meet you, ma'am. You must be the gardener. Oh, that's right, the gardener. And uh, this young lady is called Lydia. Have you had much experience in service? Oh, don't let that angel face fool you, ma'am. She's older than she looks. Can you iron? What's the matter? Has the cat got your tongue? Uh, she can't talk, ma'am. Poor little mites are mute. Yeah. And she, ladies, I think she was our age or younger when she did this movie, which is no. wild to me. Yeah, because, okay, Nicole was born in 67. And this film was released in 2001. They'll film it like a year before or whatever. So she was probably 33, <gasps> which is wild. Because wow. <laughs> she seems so like Rachel said, commanding. She could be the mother of these children. And that's impressive because I don't think I could summon that kind of gravitas. Right. Absolutely. And then uh, she's, yeah, she's something else. She really but is. When you're, when you're thinking about her character, she has a lot on her plate. She, she has sure does. two kids that have this rare disease. She she's has all a husband. Alone. Yeah. She's husband off to war. Nazis are occupying. Like if you yeah. think about the past, she suffers from migraines, they were saying. Yeah, oh, right? yeah. Okay. Why do you think Rachel, Kristen, what <laughs> the migraines? Gee. It's because she was shot herself in the she head. She shot herself in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a little on the nose, but there that's why she's yeah. getting those migraines. And she's like, like all little tasty clues. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. So she invites them in and she briefly interviews them. And right away she's like, the the young one there's like Lydia who looks like she's 18 or 19 she talks directly to her Nicole does and she won't respond and she does that line and what's the matter cat got your tongue and then Mrs. Mills is like oh the poor little mites are mute and so, I'm sorry for my accent <laughs> Fanula Flanagan is Irish in this and I think in real life I kind of want to know now with a name like Fanula Flanagan you'd think yeah she's Irish yeah you would think so yep born in Dublin Ireland okay the, the young girl, Lydia, is a mute. Okay, she can't speak. And we'll get into that. But I do want to say that that actress, the one playing Lydia, she was in this BBC adaptation of a novel called Fingersmith. I don't know if either of you are familiar with that. No. It was adapted to screen it for like this Korean thriller that came out three oh. years ago called The Handmaiden. First, they adapted it for the BBC. But anyway, she starred in that with Sally Hawkins, who <laughs> you've both probably seen the the wonky adaptation of Persuasion. That was- I have. Yeah, right. Uh, Kiki, have you seen it? I want to see yeah. It was from like 2008 and it was weird. Oh no, I haven't seen that one. I thought oh, you were you talking think- about the Netflix one. <laughs> Oh, that shitty oh, one. That's another no, no, donkey. No. I bet. No, okay, that, that's worse. You know what? That's worse. Um, but no, no, no. Sally Hawkins, she was she played Anne Elliot in this version that came out in like 2008, I want to say, that ITV made, and it was just 
not great, but you know, Sally Hawkins is really good. Anyway, this is my roundabout way of saying Sally Hawkins also played a mute character in The Shape of Water, a Guillermo del Toro movie. I was just tying that back what? because, yeah, because Lydia was played by Elaine Cassidy. So they played love interests in Fingersmith and then, but both of them played mute characters in other That's movies. So wild. Which I think is just wild. Anyway. Yeah. It's not a ton of movies that feature mute characters. Mute characters. Right. Yeah. And the, I wish Lydia kind of had more to do in this movie because Elaine Cassidy is a She's a really good actor in Fingersmith. She's so good. But she's an interesting character. And I kind of would like to see this from her perspective. Once you get to the end, you're like, okay, well, what was Lydia's experience of <laughs> all of this? <laughs> she's been dead for like 54 years. That would be an, that'd be an interesting movie to... Yeah, yeah from her happened. perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From okay. the universe of... <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's like that, I don't remember who wrote it. I think a lot of like women's studies courses will, will have their students read it, but the Wide Sargasso Sea. I haven't. So it's Jane Eyre, but it's from Bertha's perspective. <gasps> cool. Right? I've never heard of that. Well, the woman in the attic, his wife is, her name is Bertha, Bertha. right? Yeah. But I've never heard of the... Also, hashtag <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for anyone Ooh. who didn't know, there's a woman <laughs> locked in the attic in Jane Eyre. <laughs> I guess it's been out a couple hundred years. It's been a while. Yeah. Like Bertha Mason. Anyway, oh, another like gothic masterpiece. Oh, so good. We should probably do that too. God, there are too many. Okay, so, yes, Nicole. And Nicole's eyebrows are amazing and... <laughs> <laughs> she's perfect i'm just standing let's her add it to the credits list so nicole the fog nicole's eyebrows nicole's eyebrows and i think she's wearing a wig Kristen. <gasps> we gotta add it to our favorite i think they're adding then. it to wigs yeah we always talk about wigs and nicole is known for her wigs rupaul has made a comment on yeah nicole has the best wigs or she's always wearing a wig or something oh, okay. and it, i think there are some points in this movie where you can tell oh yeah that doesn't look like real hair the hairline looks good it looks natural but then when like you see the actual hair you're like yeah that kind of looks like a wig ah. um and the Do same you think so rachel i was not paying attention <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay i'm always looking at wig, wig stuff ever since we did i was just i was too busy being creeped out okay <laughs> Kristen and that's i fair. did a whole episode about wigs so i'm always like are they wearing a wig mrs mills for sure that's a wig her gray fishtail braid thing her, she looks much younger than yeah. the character that she was playing mrs mills yeah is she supposed to be like 60 or something i don't know but she looked really i thought she looked like she was in her late 30s or something mrs mills are you yeah kidding? no <laughs> like girl, besides the gray hair you? like i thought she looked very young no i didn't i was like <laughs> girl are we gonna look like that in a few years because i fucking hope not <laughs> i mean they they did age her up you can tell they put age well they gave her a wig that was gray and they probably put age makeup on her but the actress okay i'm i'm upset we have to look up how old fanula was okay <laughs> yeah, i look her up okay fanula how fanula girl where are you at <laughs> this movie came out in 2001 and fanula was born in 1941 so she would have been like 60 okay well she looks great for her age yeah yeah, yeah fanula serving <laughs> okay <laughs> and i think that was a wig yeah and she looked really good what a great character mrs mills is such a cool character I think she is. What happened to Mr. Mills? Rachel, wait. So, what a question. You know what? Who watched Downton Abbey? I watched the first couple seasons. Yeah. Okay. So, housekeepers were always Mrs. 
even if they weren't married. So Didn't know that. Yeah, just because oh no, they have more authority because they're married, which okay, what the fuck? Patriarchy, whatever. <laughs> um it's like the man transferred authority to her. <laughs> um, but gotcha. yeah, because you're well, there's that line where Nicole's like, Do you have did you have any children, Mrs. Mills? And she's like, No, the girl and the Miss and Mr. Tuttle are all I have. So I mean that doesn't mean she wasn't married, but I yeah, I don't know. Maybe she was. Are she and Mr. Tuttle a thing now? <laughs> yeah. They've been dead together for 15 years. After He's the only one left. Up. Yeah. <laughs> and Lydia is their child at this point. So it's, it's a found family. It is. Um, and yeah. it's nice that they have each other and that yeah. they're not just haunting alone, left on the earth alone for like, oh yeah, where did they come from? Yeah. So Who they've knows? been there the whole time, right? But is Nicole only able to see them now because she's dead? Oh, you mean? The Mrs. Mills and, and, and Lydia and Mr. Tuttle. Do you mean yeah. well- Grace and her family were alive. Yeah, they were were there. Yeah, they were haunting, right? Yeah. So Mrs. Mill said at the very end that sometimes they can feel the presence of others and sometimes they can't. So maybe it was just a a thing where they didn't know that they were there. They were there. They were definitely haunting that whole place. But when we first see them, they're walking up to the house. They've been (laughs) occupying the grounds for like 54 years. But now Nicole is about to interact with them because... She now ex- is on the same plane of existence as they are. Yeah, I was thinking about like, what are the laws of this universe? Because yeah. I'm just thinking there are different planes of existence and sometimes they intersect and overlap because they're all interacting with the environment. They're all eating. They're all touching things in the house, but that's not literally happening. Sometimes it is because the human beings are actually seeing Nicole and she's opening doors and stuff, but sometimes that stuff isn't literally happening right Right. well during the seance scene at the end when their kind of planes collide their planes of existence collide you can see there's a table in the room that wasn't there yeah and she's shaking yeah she's shaking it they're in like you said they're intersecting but there's other times where it's yeah there's not literally late wearing cutlery moving around where the ghosts are they're on this different plane of existence like sometimes the seance scene oh just talking about that from a filmmaking perspective you know making that that crossing between worlds that was so neat and it just made me think what happens if slash when the house gets torn down do they move on to the next to the afterlife or what happens do they continue to haunt the grounds and if the house is still there (laughs) oh that's a good point to think that the house would still like this metaphysical version of it they're still existing you know what I mean different dimensions of reality and stuff so but anyway I was thinking about the food too Emily because how are they getting the food I think it just manifests almost like a computer game it's just there that's one of those it's a plot hole a little bit because we have to believe they're alive the twist reveal wait because there has to be normal human things like raking leaves they're eating you know, like, yeah eating. they're like she's it's eating a little bit of a plot hole to be like oh they're actually well, ghosts okay. i well i think they're just not gonna explain the metaphysics because that would be yeah. like a whole movie but that's not what we're here for i mean we're here for it now because we're discuss like dissecting it yeah but i think yeah they're eating they're interacting with the environment they're sleeping they're dead why would they need to sleep <laughs> it's because nicole thinks she's still alive i think they're right? still alive you um, do all those things if you thought you were yeah still mm-hmm. living yeah. yeah for sure so and then another line when mrs mills makes um and toast and it's like this tastes funny this tastes different and it's just creepy when you think he's dead they're not (laughs) (laughs) it's so creepy 
I also want to address, I feel a, like a lot of the horror movies that came out around that time, like late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of them used mental illness as like the point of horror, if that makes sense. You know, like, of course, it's a tragedy, you know, having this main character do what she did in this film. But I feel like a lot of... Well, she was mentally ill. Yes. So, yeah. you know, it's not saying... I just feel like a lot of that horror factor was oh they are crazy and that's why they did this I just don't think that's aged very well Mm -hmm. I think we understand mental health a lot more and it's got less of the like entertainment value which I'm really glad for that so that for me is an aspect that I don't feel as aged the best um Mm -hmm. but I don't know do you guys have thoughts about that I think madness is a hallmark of gothic horror. It often is. Mm. I don't get too upset about yeah. it, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know, Rachel, what do you think? I think they did a good job of making it believable in the sense that why would a woman like kill. be pushed to the brink to, to kill her like, children? To kill her children. I think they did a good job of like building that up and explaining why. Um, but I do think that like yeah. madness, it is like you have you bring up a good point in that yeah. during the whole movie, the little girl is, oh, mom went mad or. Yeah, um, she keeps saying it. Anne is a great character because she tells the truth the entire movie. And it's so frustrating because, you know, she's telling the truth and Nicole just denies her at every point. Oh. I think their story is a good that's the story with the the relationship with the most tension is Grace and Anne, and then they come together in the end, and that's where you get the, the satisfying conclusion is the resolution between those two. Mm. That's a great pair of characters because Grace is really strong-minded and she's a woman of conviction, and then Anne is also equally strong-minded and she doesn't back down when she's no, she's in the right. Right. So I think they're both very strong characters. I think it's really good characterization. Great female characters in this movie. You know who Anne reminds me of? Who? She reminds me of Kirsten Dunson interview with a vampire. Oh my god, really? Oh, Wait, yeah. is it just the hair or is it her personality? Her, her strong, the attitude. Strong personality. Yeah, Anne is a little brat, but I like her a lot. Because she doesn't back down. She's she's like, no, I'm telling the truth and I'm not lying. You keep telling me I'm lying, I'm not. And we'll get into some of the things that happen in this, but she's just a very strong character, right. uh, Anne is. Anyway, where were we? Oh yeah. So- <laughs> Another thing I want to comment on, but they okay. do a lot of, so this, when she is meeting the new housekeeper, she's showing them them around the house. Yeah. They make a comment that they don't need the tour because they've worked there before. Uh-huh. So we kind of get oh. an insight and she thinks, oh, it must've been, you know, 20 years ago, not 54 years ago. Wow. Right. Um, but then the movie does a good job of doing an an- like anti-climaxes. When she's introducing the new servants to the children, they kind of build up like, my children have this allergy to sunlight. And mm-hmm. they're kind of building up to be like, they're going to be creepy or they're going to be weird. You will notice what I'm doing. In this house, no door must be opened without the previous one being closed first. It is vital that you remember this. It's not as easy as it may seem. There are 15 different keys for all of the 50 doors, depending on which area of the house you're in at the time. Mrs. Mills, from tomorrow onwards, I will be leaving a set of keys in your charge. Yes, ma'am. Music room. Ma'am, there's really no need to show us around the whole house. Yes. Yes, there is. 
Because here, most of the time, you can hardly see your way. It's often difficult to make out if there is a table, a chair, a door, a sideboard. Or one of my children playing hide-and-seek. What do you mean, ma'am? Perhaps I should introduce you to the children. Yeah. Which, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, but then they get shown the children, and then, oh, they're just normal, cute-looking children. And they're really pale. That whole setup is so good. It's filmed so well. When she, when Nicole explains the rules and she's like, you need to treat this house like a ship and the light is water. You cannot let it in. Every time you enter a room, you close the door and you lock it. They're like 15, whatever. She has so many keys and the house is perfect. There's the music room that has these beautiful murals on the wall and this gorgeous wooden floor. It's almost like a herringbone pattern and this huge mantle, those hearths. It's mm. this house is to die for. It really is. You bring up a good point too, Rachel, about the kids because it has a little bit of the vibes of Oh Henry's The Turn of the Screw a little bit. You know, like two creepy kids, this remote house. Henry James. Oh, sorry, Henry James. I say, oh, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> I do that all the time. Henry James, thank you. And then you're totally right. Like there, <laughs> so it used kind of a trope, but then used it for its own purposes. And they're these cute little kids. So I guess the director didn't let these children go in sunlight, like <gasps> for the entire shoot. I- I'm assuming their parents were okay, consented, because the- yeah. these kids were deathly pale <laughs> and they look dead <laughs> and they are mm. dead. Their introduction is kind of creepy though, because it's just, you hear them, Nicole makes them recite their prayers. So you just hear their little voices in unison and then they come out and it's, candlelight and you just see these two little pale deathly pale mm. faces wakey wakey now come on eyes closed hands together Sweet little children. What did you guys think about the use of religion throughout the movie? I thought it was great. You can tell this director and this this track, this is a Spanish filmmaker. His relationship with the Catholic Church runs deep and it seems, just judging from this film, very fraught relationship with Catholicism. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a hallmark of the horror genre too. I think death and religion just go hand in hand. Yeah. So I really like how he used um, references to different, to religion, like throughout the movie. And Nicole's, or yeah, her relationship to her faith and to Catholicism. I love her journey in that too, in this film, because she Mm -hmm. goes from a place of absolute certainty and conviction. She's totally dogmatic. She takes the, the teachings of the Catholic church, literally she's unforgiving. That scene where she explains that her children will go to hell if they lie is oh, terrifying yeah. so like, yes <laughs> um so right after you like meet the children one of the next scenes is she's teaching them it's like catechism yeah and you're right they were saying how what would happen in the next life if children were to lie because Anne was saying that well that's silly that they wouldn't have just lied and said they don't believe in god Oh, that guy, she's telling them a story about these Roman children who, rather than deny Christ, they die. (laughs) The Romans chop their heads off. These children in this story. And both of the kids are like, that was stupid. And she's like, you just, yeah. 
Yeah. And she's like, well, what do you mean? Nicole's like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, well, I would have just lied. She's like, I would have denied Christ or whatever, but like inside I would have believed in him. And Nicole, she tells them, and I don't know if this ever was or is Catholic doctrine, but she's like, tell me about the four hells. So you both would have lied to the point of denying Christ. Oh, you'd have saved your heads being chopped off by the Romans. That's true. But what would have happened afterwards? When? In the next life. The one that's waiting for us after we die. Where would you have gone? Oh. Where, Nicholas? To the children's limbo. What is the children's limbo, Anne? One of the four hells. Which are? There's the hell where the damned go. Then there's purgatory. Yes. And the bosom of Abraham where the just go in limbo where children go. At the centre of the earth. Where it's very, very hot. That's where children go who tell lies, but they don't just go there for a few days. Oh, no. No, they're damned. One of the little children, I think Nicholas, is like, and there's the fourth circle of hell or hell that's limbo, and it's the center of the earth, and it's where children go. And I was like, is this doc- like Catholic doctrine, or was it? Like, that is terrifying and you oh because they're in limbo right and you can well at the end they have a conversation about limbo and yeah. it's it's yeah. good but anyway and you can tell nicole kidman totally believes this she's like yes this is what will happen to you if you lie and i'm like holy fuck you have a feeling that this director probably had some traumatic experiences in catechism mm-hmm. i don't yeah. think that's a biblical teaching i think that's very much like a catholic doctrine the ideas of different limbos and different hells and yeah it's very Dante, but anyway. Wonder. So since Anne was questioning mm-hmm. these teachings, yeah. um, Grace decides to separate the children and make them study alone as yeah. punishment. And that's when we kind of first, we first get our introduction to like weird things happening in the house. Yeah. So she separates Anne and Nicholas. Nicholas is scared and he goes, what do I do if a ghost comes? <laughs> Is this usually one of your favorite lines? Wait, I forgot what happened. Wait, what? When she goes, because they're they're complaining about having to be separated yeah. and they're going to be scared. And she goes, well, if you see a ghost, say hello. And then continue Oh, yeah. Studying. Yeah, Nicole goes, like, so you say hello and you keep on studying. Or <laughs> I think you can study in separate rooms. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. We get scared if we're separated. You get scared. As if you weren't used to this house by now. What if we see a ghost? Has your sister been telling you one of her stories? I haven't told him anything. Well, if you see a ghost, you say hello and you continue on studying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she said, yeah, okay. She, yeah, she separates Anne and Nicholas, so they have to go in different rooms. And then Anne goes to the really cool music room and Nicholas stays in their little playroom. And, and this is where, I don't remember when this happens, but Nicole says to Mrs. Mills, my children sometimes have strange ideas. You must pay any attention to them. It's rather difficult, to say the least. One might almost say unbearable. The only way of enduring it is by keeping a cool head. Oh, yes, ma'am. I don't like fantasies. Strange ideas. Do you know what I mean? I think so, ma'am. My children sometimes have strange ideas. But you mustn't pay any attention to them. Children will be children. Yes, of course, ma'am. Nicole says, and it's sinister. She's like, I don't like strange ideas, fantasies. Do you know what I mean? It seems very menacing and scary. But this woman, this is, and, and the Anne even says it later. She's like, 
you know, mother believes all this stuff, but then she tells us superstitions are nonsense, but she expects us to believe all of this stuff she's telling us and everything written in the Bible. <laughs> and yeah. And mm-hmm. neither of them believe it a hundred percent. And I'm like, yeah, damn. Anne's a critical thinker. She's evaluating stuff for herself. She's trying to be dispassionate and more objective and not just believing everything that's said to her. And then Mrs. Mills is like, well, have you told your mother this? And they're like, no. And you get the feeling that they're scared of their mother, which they are. They should be. Yeah. Yeah. There's There's a thread through this whole movie of just, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good depiction of family trauma. It's just not spoken about. You're aware of things that have happened in your family and you don't talk about it. And Anne is the one who's like, Yes, this happened. We don't know what it was, but Nicholas is the one who's like in denial. No, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. And the same thing with Nicole's character. When the crazy stuff starts happening, when, you know, she starts hearing doors slamming and she starts hearing voices, then she all of a sudden believes Anne and she's like, oh yeah, like how, you know, how many times have you seen them? Because Anne has that creepy drawing of, well, here's the people I've seen and here's how many times <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen them. And Nicole believes her. But then- yeah. As soon as her husband comes back, spoiler, she abruptly, it's like about face. She's like, there are no intruders. She immediately retreats into denial. Yeah. It's it's good. Yeah. So Nicole starts hearing a child crying. She runs into the children's rooms because they're separated. And she thinks it's one of the, the kids crying. They're mm-hmm. both fine. She asks Anne, what's going on? And she goes, well, it's Victor. Are you all right? I just heard you a moment ago. There's no need to feel ashamed, darling. I don't. If I'd been crying, I'd tell you. Oh, really? So I imagined it, did I? No, it was that boy. What boy? Victor. Who's Victor? The boy that was here a moment ago. I told him to let me study, but he wouldn't stop crying. I think he's a spoiled brat. He said we'd have to leave the house. Oh, did he know? Yeah. And then That's Nicole right. decides to punish her for lying. He so mad. Yeah. And this is where you, this is where I'm identifying with Anne because Anne is like, you just told me what happens when children lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm telling you the truth. There was someone else in this room and they get in an argument. They butt heads over it. And so Nicole forces Anne to read the Bible out loud. For three days. For three days. Oh boy. And then you notice that she's reading at one point, she's reading the story of Abraham and Isaac, which is significant because that's the story of a father killing his son or being commanded to the levels yeah. here. Yeah. So it's like, um, yeah. Grace uses the Bible as punishment, but yeah. then she also uses it as a tool, a tool of comfort, of a like, tool of instruction yeah. and comfort. So when Nicholas was scared, she goes, well, just squeeze your rosary your really rosary. tight and say your prayers and everything will be okay. And then I love it when Anne schools Nicole on Catholic doctrine because she's like, well, I read the other day that limbo is only for children who haven't been baptized and I have been. And Nicole has no response. Yeah. Anne is constantly like poking the bear. How can you not believe in ghosts, but you can believe in Noah's Ark? Yeah. She's she's smart as a whip. She's she's a good character. She is a brat because she's mean to her brother and she uses Lydia at one point, but she's a really good character. Can we talk about the scene? The kids go to sleep and then Victor is opening oh, and closing the curtain. So scary. <laughs> yes. Rachel, talk about it. Okay. So we get a close up shot of the children lying in bed and the curtains have been opened. 
and Anna's telling Nicholas, well, it's Victor. He He's saying that he's going to open the curtains. And this is a huge deal because if they get exposed to sunlight for too long, they're going to yeah. die. So then they kind of go back and forth with Anne. Nicholas saying, you know, stop teasing me. Victor's not real. And then Anne is having a conversation with Victor, telling him, yeah. like, cut it out. Yeah. And then there's like this creepy voice. And you're not sure, is it Anne, Anne putting, putting on the voice? On. Yeah. Or is it a Vic- Victor doing it? You see these like figures running in front of the window opening and shutting the curtains and yeah it's just like a shadowy figure you see Anne gets up and she closes the curtains and then you hear like you hear feet and then you see someone tearing the curtains open and then Anne is like Victor touch touch his face such touch touch Nicholas's face to show prove to him that you're real it or watch closely the, the little hand that touches uh nicholas it's not Anne's because he's no. got like a blue like a little pajama shirt and Anne's wearing this victorian looking nightdress <laughs> so you're like holy shit <laughs> yeah. yeah and then but then like, nicole runs in and she's fed up with Anne, and i'm just like oh my god Anne is telling the truth like this is really <laughs> happening <laughs> and she's like i'm fed up with you She's so angry. What happens after that, Rachel? Well, they scream. And then she runs into the into the bedroom and she's like, Anne, stop it. You're scaring your brother. <laughs> yeah. And she's pissed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. She does have a conversation with Mrs. Mills in front of the fire. It's very atmospheric and great where she's like, what happened to Lydia? What? <laughs> well, first, there's first she asks about Lydia early in the movie where she's like, well, what? what was she born like that and then mrs mills is just like no and then moves on she's not going to engage on it but then when nicole gets her alone she won't let it go she's like well what happened to lydia they're sitting in front of the fire i always felt like i never left this house why did you leave oh it was on account of the tuberculosis the whole area was evacuated was that when lydia went dumb yes i think so so, you know, my memory's a bit rusty these days, ma'am. What happened to her? Well, suddenly one day, she just stopped talking. Well, there must have been a reason. You don't just stop talking. These things are always the result of some sort of trauma. Something must have happened to her. It's really creepy. And then Nicole is like, these sort of things don't just happen. She must have experienced some kind of trauma. And then Nicole is so good because the way she delivers it, she goes, well, what were your employers like? And you can tell by the way she delivers it. She's like, did you have sexually abusive employers? You can see she's working in in her head. She's trying to figure out what happened to Lydia. That was my first thought. 
yeah you know, she's implying that something yeah. like that must have had yeah, happened yeah. and she's like well people don't just stop talking right and Nicole is correct because in the end we find out why Nicole like why Lydia isn't speaking anymore remind me why wasn't she speaking oh it turns out should we talk should we spoil it now sure Rachel sure okay so in the end we find out Nicole has delivers this really good dialogue or monologue not dialogue monologue at the end it's so good she's like where are we she she's holding her two children and they've all realized that they're dead and she's just like, but now, like, where are we? And then Mrs. Mills shows up and she's like, that's the last thing Lydia said. Or wait, that's the same thing Lydia said when she realized we were dead. And that's the last time she ever spoke. Wow. I remember that at all. Wow. So do you think Lydia will ever recover her powers of speech? Well, it's interesting because now they have more people to talk to. Yeah. Maybe she would relate more to the children yeah. um, being around, but... I don't know. I, I can see her just not ever speaking again. She was, she was ghost trauma. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it. Anyway. But, okay, Nicole. <laughs> oh, and then there's that moment. Nicole uh, Nicole hears banging and stuff. And, and Anne is just reading the Bible in the stairwell. And then she goes out and Anne is like, I'm not telling you anything because you just punish me every time I tell you what's going on. And Nicole's like, no, you tell me what's going on. And she's like, fine they're over in that room over there and you just see light streaming out from underneath this door it's this creepy ass storage room where everything's covered in sheets it's scary it's so scary it's and like, terrifying you, yeah you hear the voices and the sound editing's really good because it feels like it's coming from behind you you hear these people like like whispering like oh there she is kind of thing and if you listen close on you know the second watch after you've seen it you can hear the voice of the old woman Mm. the medium you can hear them because they're all watching a ghost they're the ones that are alive and nicole <laughs> she sees and hears stuff happening she runs into this creepy ass statue of like what is it like the virgin mary or something i think so and then she freaks out and starts ripping all the sheets off <laughs> and then she runs out of the room where did they go they just came past here didn't you see them which way did they go And when Nicole gets the shotgun out, this is like, again, you can see her, she takes the shotgun and you can see her remembering like, what? She gets this look and you realize she's kind of remembering that she shot herself with that shotgun. Yep. That's the same. And she is carrying that shotgun a lot in this movie. She's so, she's a fucking mood when she, it's like, cause Nicole's like six feet tall. So for a lot of the movie, she's in this nightgown with this purple house coat and a shotgun and it's like mood (laughs) she's just wandering around this house she's got like a lamp in one hand a shotgun in the other and she's yes she's ready to go she's awesome (laughs) awesome. because when she goes to check on she hears someone playing piano in that room she has her lamp in one hand her oil oil lamp shotgun in the other also badass long house coat it's it's good and i noticed Rach, I don't know if you noticed, but she's wearing purple. That's like the only color she wears. You notice yeah. that? She wears purple a lot and uh, dark maroon. Color. Yeah, purple, maroon, everything she, that had to have been some kind of choice, right? That wouldn't just be coincidental on the costume designer's part to be like, 
only purple. Nicole's only going to wear like dark purple or maroon. I I don't know what I don't know what it means, but that's definitely well. I don't know. It's kind of grotesque, but she said blood, like purple. It could be. Is there religious significance? Blue is the Virgin Mary's color. I know. I think purple and red are jesus colors yeah, I think, no, <laughs> you know okay. you see at easter they drape those colors purple on. yeah i think you're oh, right that could be because she's so uh in- invested in in believing the, yeah. the religion yeah. could show yeah and then when that part where she runs out into the fog she's wearing a purple scarf she's always got purple on in some form and she's believes Anne now she's she's hearing the voices herself she hasn't seen anyone yet but she hears doors closing she goes and she locks that piano up because she goes in the room. She hears some guy, someone's playing Chopin, I think. She locks it and then she she leaves the room. The door's creaking back and forth. I don't know. This was, this is kind of funny. Okay, the door slams in her face and she falls over. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So she immediately tries to get back into the room. I would be opposite. I would run in. This scene is so creepy to think about from the other's perspective. We are introduced, when we're introduced to the family, the intruder's family, we learn that the father is a pianist. So it's kind of hinted to right away that something was going to be happening with the piano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they said that nobody in uh, Nicole's family played the piano. Yeah. Um, but we know that the other's family does play. But this is so creepy to think about from the pianist's perspective. He's like playing the piano and then the thing just gets shut on him and locked. Yeah, that's one of the things where they are, planes are intersecting. She's actually interacting with the physical, literal physical environment because she closes and locks it. So that guy was playing and then all of a sudden it gets closed on him. And then they see her because they slam the door shut and she flies backward and then immediately is trying to get back in the room. So you're like, holy shit, that'd be so scary. But I'm just like, because it's Nicole's movie and she's our protagonist, I'm identifying with her. I'm like, yeah, but fucking door, some supernatural force slams the door in my face. I'm not going to rush back in to try to (laughs) (laughs) just be running in the opposite. Running away. Well, she has such a need to protect her children. I feel like, well, this is kind of a double-edged sword because of what happens. She is play, pre- like presented in the movie a lot of times, like doing anything she can to yeah. make sure her children are safe. I think it is believable in her character that she would try to go in and... Nicole's so good. She's losing her mind in this because she goes... After this, she's in the... Like, whatever. She's in the servants' hall with Mrs. Mills. And she's like, I know you think... You don't believe this. I know what I saw in that room. I checked that room myself. It was empty. Take these tablets, ma'am. And yet, and yet I felt as if there was someone else there. And it wasn't human. There is something in this house. Something diabolic. Ma'am. Something which is not, not at rest. I know you don't believe it. You don't believe it, do you? I don't blame you. I I used to not believe these things. I think something important from a storytelling perspective is that you have to have information that the audience perceives in one way, but then they perceive it in another way later. Like things that can be interpreted multiple ways. That's this this whole movie. (laughs) Yes. And so... Like when you talked about 
why the character who doesn't speak, you know, yeah. we don't know that's a clue. We don't know that's weird. But because it, it really is all building up to the reveal. So mm-hmm. with the door slamming and things, it's becoming more accelerated. The level of information we're getting that's building to the twist, right? Yeah. Like the actual violence of physical objects yeah. of the interaction. So that's, I mean, not only is it going towards the climax of a story, mm-hmm. but I mean, because it wouldn't be an exciting twist at all if you're just like, uh, yeah, we've been like, dead the whole time. Like it came out of nowhere. Like yeah. Just- One time I, w- I was watching this interview with George R.R. R. Martin and he still hasn't finished the series. The show is done. Oh, bless you know what him. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he still hasn't released the last book, but I remember him giving an interview where he's like, well, yeah, I guess I could write that aliens come down in the end, but that wouldn't be very satisfying because there'd be yeah, no, like, exactly. there'd be literally no setup. So yeah, everything makes sense. Emily, so we were talking about um, that Nicole wears purple a lot in this movie. So I looked up what purple means in the Catholic religion. Well, what does it mean? It says, worn during Lent, purple could represent penance, preparation, and sacrifices. It is also worn at funerals because oh. of its connection to mourning. Oh, damn. Oh, nice. It says, purple vestments are donned to remind the funeral goers to pray for the penance and absolution of the departed. Whoa. Whoa. Cool. I think that was intense. Bingo. <laughs> Kristen was right. <laughs> Woo! So good. Wait, what? Ha- okay. Oh yeah. So she's with she's with Mrs. Mills and having a conversation. I I know. I feel like I'm losing my mind. She even says, "I don't know what's happening. What's happening to me? God help me." Like, she's going through it. She's having a crisis. And then, and then Mrs. Oh, it's so good. It's so creepy because Mrs. Mills. Once you learn about who Mrs. Mills is, you can see she's trying to prepare Nicole for the truth. So she's like, "I do believe it, ma'am." easy to explain but they do happen we've all heard stories of beyond now and then and i think that sometimes the world of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living but it's impossible the lord would never allow such an aberration the living and the dead they will only meet at the end of eternity isn't always an answer for everything and then you can see nicole losing her grip on her conviction because she's like no the lord would never allow such an aberration and it says so in the bible only at the end of eternity will the world of the living and the world of the dead meet but the way she delivers the line it says so in the bible you can tell she's just giving up and Mm. mrs mills is like well there's not always an explanation for everything did you want to talk about the book of the dead oh hell yes (laughs) So while they're searching the house, they do a huge search of this house to try to find the intruders. She ends up coming across a book of people who appear that they're sleeping. Yup, there's children. There are children in it, babies, group portraits. So Mrs. Mills comes in and she goes, no, they're not sleeping. They're dead. Mrs. Mills. Miss Mills. Do you have any idea what this might be? a photograph album ma'am no but look they're all asleep they're not asleep ma'am they're dead it is a book of the dead 
In the last century, I believe they used to take photographs of the dead in the hopes that their souls would go on living through the portraits. Oh, it's macabre. How could these people be so superstitious? Grief over the death of a loved one can lead people to do the strangest things. It's so freaking scary. Because Nicole's like, what is what is this? Why are they all sleeping? <laughs> and Bertha Mills, or her name is also Bertha. I think it is. Yeah, Mrs. Mills is like, it's, they're not sleeping, they're dead. And that, this was yeah. a real thing people did. Yeah, it was an actual tradition. I don't know if it's specific to Spanish culture or not. I feel mm-hmm. like it's in multiple cultures. But um, there's this great silent film from like 2012. 2013 that's um Blanca Nieves it's Snow White it's set um in an older time and that's actually a part of the movie is like every the whole family posing with which is I mean it seems grotesque to us but thinking about having that last connection with your loved one I think it comes from a place of love it's just uh unsettling nicole says it's macabre she goes like she's so good i don't want it in the house you're right i guess back in the day when maybe the only time you'd have a photograph taken is at a wedding at a wedding like a marriage portrait so mm-hmm. odds are someone could die and you w- wouldn't have had an image of them especially a child right so yeah. you could take a picture of their dead body <laughs> that could be the only photo of them that is in existence so I, it is understandable it's just really scary and i guess the director is in one of those group portraits like <laughs> he's like really there's a, yeah there's a picture of three men lying on a bed and it looks like they've all been shot in the head actually it's really disturbing because do they all have wounds on their their head mm. and with the director is one of those guys anyway wow that's a cool little camera but i'm wondering i'm wondering if one of them is i think some of those are real photos y'all oh no i don't i it's scary it's really it's actually very scary so Emily, you're saying how she's kind of starting to believe that the mm-hmm. living and the dead are getting mixed up, but yeah. then we get the fog scene because she de- now she's determined. Yeah. I'm going to go get the priest, and we're going to bless the exercise, house, exercise the house. Yeah, yeah. So, nice. This is so good. Yeah, she leaves the house, and Mrs. Mills is like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she. I think she knows. She's. Because again, this line, everything has a different meaning. She's like, she's not getting very far because her spirit is bound to the premises of this house. So she can only make it so far. So it's at least in this plane of existence, she's enshrouded in fog. So she gets lost and gets turned around. But you see the groundskeeper guy, Mr. Tuttle, is covering up gravestones. (laughs) Before she leaves, she's like, I want you to look for gravestones. And I want you to find one and see if there's one for a little boy named Victor. And yeah. then you know, they're like, all right. But like, as soon as she leaves, Mrs. Mills is like, she's not getting very far. You better cover that up. And you see him covering gravestones. Mr. Tuttle. Good morning, ma'am. I need you to search the whole garden for gravestones. Gravestones? Yes, when my husband bought this house, we were told there was a little cemetery. I think it was somewhere over there, amongst the trees. I'm not seeing anything. Check carefully. It could be overgrown. Yes, ma'am. I need to know if there was a family buried here. They had a boy, Nicole leaves and she's got the purple head scarf on and she gets turned around. It's really scary. There's scary music. She can, there's nothing like it. She's surrounded in fog. She's in this forest. And then we hear like footsteps. Ooh, doo, 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 doo. And this figure comes out of the fog 
and it's a man and um nicole is overcome and again her acting is so good you you believe this you believe this is it's her husband she thought was dead so she like runs over to him this man is clearly traumatized and this actor uh is so good his name is christopher eccleston and I don't know if I didn't really watch Doctor Who. I tried to Doctor get into it. Who. I tried to get into it, the reboot, but he was the first one of the rebooted, like the yeah. first of the rebooted Doctor Who's, Christopher Eccleston, man who's clearly traumatized and also doesn't know. There's a line later where Mrs. Mills is like, I don't think he knows where he is. Mm. His spirit has been wandering. He was killed in the war and his spirit has just been wandering and even he she's like well where have you been and he's like i've been trying to find my family so he's been a, a literal lost soul wandering we don't know how long he's been dead his spirit found its way back home to the to the house and so they're reunited but you can tell like, he's just traumatized this this man he says sometimes i bleed very ominous yeah Oof. it's probably from wherever he was killed he probably just continues to bleed from that wound she takes him home and Mrs. Mills' reaction is so good because, you know, she's like, oh, well, I guess you're dead. But she doesn't say that out loud. She's like, <laughs> she's like how? Okay. Because Nicole Kidman's like, well, this is my husband. This is my husband. Well, it is kind of strange from Mrs. Mills' perspective yeah. because she knows that she can't leave the property. Yeah. How is another ghost coming? Showing up. Oh. Yeah, that's that's weird. That's never happened before. Because he was killed somewhere in the fields of France, somewhere we don't know where. So we know how long he's been wandering, but somehow his spirit made it back like it crossed whatever barrier. And it's because I guess he wanted, he needed resolution with his wife. Yeah, he needed to say goodbye to his family. Or he could move on. And then, um, but this is so good. I love this writing because as soon as he shows up, Nicole's in denial again. Yeah. He immediately is like, no, that didn't happen. I'm like, this is so... This is so accurate because Anne brings up the intruders again. I wonder why this movie wasn't called The Intruders. It doesn't sound as good as the others, I guess. But Anne brings up the intruders. And then the way Nicole delivers this, she looks straight at Anne and she goes, there are no intruders. And Anne is just like, what? Like, <laughs> I think Anne is maybe thinking that, and I'm sorry, um, Nicole is thinking maybe um, she's imagining these things. Yeah. And well, maybe now, now, now that her husband is back, everything's going to be fine. Right. Yeah, it's just amazing how the mind can just be fully accepting and knowing what you heard. I know what I heard and I know what I saw. And then all of a sudden just retreat back into. Whatever. I do that all the time. I yeah, mean, whatever. when you, when you hear like weird noises around the house, yeah. you're like, oh, that's the cat. And then the cat's like right next to me. <laughs> well, it's probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, and it, this happens a couple of times. It's quite disturbing. Anne starts hyperventilating and you're like, oh, God. It's definitely, yeah, a foreshadowing. Because Nicole even says, stop breathing. And you're like, oh, shit. That's <laughs> how they died. And and then Nicholas does it later when they're hiding in the little wardrobe. Yeah. But yeah, the, her husband is just catatonic. He just... Well, I love when he, when he comes home, he says hi to the children. I think yeah. that's the first and maybe only time that you see him really... Have emotions. Um, have emotions. <laughs> and this is could be maybe the person that he was before the war. Yeah. But then he retreats into the bedroom and he basically doesn't come out for He's catatonic. He just lies yeah. there just with a thousand yard stare. Yeah. <laughs> and then Nicole's in denial again. And then um 
We get the scene with the first communion dress. Oh my god, this is iconic. Ah, uh, yeah, love this part. This was spoofed in a scary one of those scary movies. Do you remember those, Rachel? Yeah. Remember? Okay, yeah. but it was like when they spoofed it, it was like Michael Jackson. Do you remember this? No, I don't remember this. But. <laughs> so, the, you know, how many of those scary movies were there? Like, six I think there was something? probably like four, but well, I don't know which one it was, but in one of them, it was Michael Jackson turned out to be the one under the veil. It was wild. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel, what happens? Um, so she's having Anne try on her first communion dress to make sure that it fits and it looks perfect for her first communion. Yeah. And Anne, um, she doesn't want to take it off. She's like, oh, please, can I just wear it for a little bit longer? Yeah. So Nicole's sure, but don't sit on the floor. Don't get it dirty. It has yeah. to look spotless for your first communion. Yep. So Nicole leaves and then we get this kind of nice scene of Anne yeah. um, playing, playing around like she's a ghost. <laughs> Oh my God. Again, can you imagine how fucking scary it would be to see this ghost child dressed up like a bride and like dancing around? (laughs) Like how fucking scary would that be? Because like, because it turns out the old woman, she possesses. So, okay. It turns out that the old woman that Anne has been seeing a lot is a medium. And that's why she's seen her more than anyone else. And we see this character in the end. She's in a really cool outfit. Her eyes are I don't know that she's blind. It, it seems that she's, this woman is blind. She's this older woman. Uh, she possesses this woman. So <laughs> Anne is, you know, starts playing on the floor in her dress yeah. with this puppet, which kind of uh, looks like one of the photo, one of the drawings yeah. from the very beginning of the movie. So Nicole yeah. comes back in the room and she starts reprimanding Anne for sitting on the floor because she's not supposed to get the dress dirty. Um, and then Anne turns to Nicole and says, what do you mean, mom? What's the matter? What have you done with my daughter? Are you mad? I am your daughter. <gasps> You're not my daughter! She attacks the old woman and strangles her. And but then happy. she rips the veil off and then yep. back to being Anne. And yep. so Anne is... is <laughs> freaking out yeah. in distress and then mrs mills comes in and um nicole is distraught she i mean she's like i that was not my daughter <laughs> and then Anne is like she wants to kill me she yes. won't stop until she kills us she won't stop she won't stop until oh, she kills Clive, us come with me. you're wicked you're wicked wicked you're wicked you're wicked you won't stop until you kill us and so Anne is very mindful of what happened so I'm assuming they all know what happened. Everyone knows that Nicole smothered them with a pillow, but they all think that they must have not died. I guess they thought that she didn't actually kill them or something. Right. I think you're right, because I think they're all in denial that they're actually dead. They don't realize that they're dead, any of them, but they all know what had happened happened. the day that their mom went mad, is what what they say. The, as they phrase it she like okay so then after this Anne goes and she we don't see it it happens off screen she tells the father what happened and then Nicole goes into the room and and um he's like tell me it isn't true tell me you know <laughs> tell me this didn't happen right tell me you didn't try smothering our children <laughs> mm. 
I'm not sure how this resolves. They don't really resolve that, do they? So she she kind of puts the blame on him. Like, you shouldn't have left for the war. Yeah, basically, she's like, it's your fault. Why did you have to leave for that war that had nothing to do with us? And then she's like, you actually just wanted to get away from me, didn't you? I think he tells her, I'm going to, I'm going to have, I have to go back to the front. And she's like, the The war's over. over. And because he's in some limbo, his spirit, I guess, believes that it's not over. Right. Right. And so he's like, well, I'm returning back to the front. Uh, And they get in, they argue here. It's not even really an argument. It's Nicole going off. You're not going. Do you hear me? You left us once already. You can't go. Why? Why did you have to go to that stupid war that had nothing to do with us? Why couldn't you have stayed here like the others did? Others surrendered. We all surrendered! The whole island was occupied! What? What did you expect? What were you trying to prove by going to war? Your place was here with us. She's going off on him, but I think it's very beautiful the way that she's doing it because she says I loved you and that wasn't enough and that was enough for me but living in this darkness this prison was not enough for you I wasn't enough you wanted to leave me yeah which written out like that it's like I don't know how I would deliver those lines but she makes it work she's so good and then they have ghost sex. So that's, <laughs> that's another thing where I'm like, that's not literally happening. And like, could you imagine there are ghosts having sex in my bed as I sleep, but I just can't see it. Separate plane of existence. Anyway. And then she wakes up and he's gone. Yeah. The last ah. thing we hear, we hear his voice saying, forgive me, Grace. And then I'm assuming he either moved on because he resolved that. Um, that was what, my guess, but his spirit, moved, his spirit moved on. I don't think yeah. it went back to the front. I think he, I, I think, think so too. I think I, he moved. Yeah. I think if he were to stay a ghost, he would have, he would have stayed. Oh, for, for sure. Kids. Yeah. He literally couldn't cause he had to move on. Yeah. I know. Although it didn't feel terribly resolved, did it? They just had sex. <laughs> I guess that was enough. For <laughs> I guess for a enough. guy. That's all they need. That's all <laughs> they needed. That was, enough, that was all the closure he needed. The closure <laughs> he needed to move on to the next, to the afterlife. <laughs> um, all right, ladies. <laughs> so, so, Kristen, I see that it's getting close. Yeah, We're, I got to skedaddle. You got to go? Okay. No. We, you guys um, keep going in. Yeah. It's okay. We'll just... Okay. Have fun. We'll, see you. Bye. we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right, Rachel. So what? So where were we? Oh so, yeah. You go ahead. No, no. You okay. Go. So Charles is now gone, and it must be the next morning that mm-hmm. the children wake up and they notice that they are in daylight because all of the curtains are gone. Right. And at that point, wouldn't you be like, oh, I guess they're fine. Because like Nicole runs in freaking out and she covers them in her house coat. But it's like, dude, the curtains have been down for a while and they've been asleep in the light and they're not dead. So you would think so. Clearly it's not affecting them anyway, but she's <laughs> she's just freaking out. And she covers them with her coat and she she hauls them around the house. It's really impressive how she does this. She's got one aunt, Anne is like at her heels and and she's carrying the other one. She's like mother. (laughs) But like, it's scary though. Because in this movie, the light is the scary thing, not the darkness. Yes. 
she runs out and no matter where she goes, no matter what room she's in, there's the curtains are gone. It's really upsetting. She has to move a chalkboard or something in front of the windows to block the light. And then she uncovers the children and she goes, oh my God, you're okay. And then Anne is like, don't touch me. Yeah, Yeah. because she's still traumatized by what happened when she was in the communion dress. Yeah. And so um, (laughs) this is upsetting. When 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 Mrs. Mills and uh, Mr. Tuttle and oh, this is when she grabs Lydia and is like, you tell me what the fuck is going on. She shakes her. Who was it? Who did this? Tell me. Tell me. You know what's happening here. You know because it happened to you too. You tell me. You write it down. Write it down. Please. Lydia, is she trying to speak or is she just upset? It looks like she is trying to speak. Yeah. And then she's like, well, write it down. And then she's like pushing your hand on a paper with a pencil. And And Mrs. Mills is like, she can't write. Mrs. Mills has had enough at this point. Yeah, she really did. She runs, she comes in and she's like, that kind of talk, whatever behavior is not helpful. um, And she can't write anyway. And Nicole is like, have you lost your minds? Because they're acting so cavalier. Where are they? What? The curtains! The curtains! My children's lives depend on someone has taken the curtains! I have noticed, ma'am. There's no need for you to raise your voice. Oh, Mr. Tuttle, I was just on the point of calling you. Did you know that someone has taken all the curtains? They're all just like, oh, I guess you're right. The curtains have disappeared. (laughs) And it's just, it actually is maddening how they're behaving. Yeah, I didn't like that. They turned mean. It's scary. Like, it's really sinister how they're just cavalier. They're just like, oh, I guess you're right. The curtains are gone. And then, um... Mrs. Mills is like, well, how do you know they haven't recovered from their condition? And Nicole's like, what are you talking about? I told you the the children are photosensitive. The light will kill them. And then, and then Mr. Tuttle is like, oh, well, I had a sister-in-law who had attacks of rheumatism until one day they vanished. And I was thinking, rap, she probably died. She probably crossed over and wasn't bothered by them anymore. Yeah. But then Mrs. Mills is something like, the light could kill them, but that was before. Oh, it's, yeah, it's very creepy. It's and like, Nicole, why don't you just come out and tell them? Why all this, like... I guess Nicole's not ready yet. Yeah. I mean, she's got fever pitch, Nicole. She's losing losing it. Um, She's like, you are going to help me find this these curtains, and then you're going to leave. I don't want you here anymore. Finally, so I guess the kids are just hiding. Yeah, they're just bunkered down in a room yeah. with no light. Yeah, covered in, what, yeah, I don't know, she covers them or something. And then, oh yeah, Anne is just like, find the curtain. Don't touch me, find the curtains. And so when Nicole goes down to that the trunk, she takes out the shotgun again. And she is pointing it at these people. Yeah. She's not fucking around. No, like once again, she is fighting for her children's lives. Yeah. yeah. So what would, you know, she thinks that these people are, took the curtains down. Yeah. And... She's like, you're the intruder. She goes, she goes, I see what's going on. You've wanted this house this whole time. Yeah. Um, you've been trying to frighten us away. And she's like, <laughs> she demands the keys. She's like, give me the keys now. Like, she's not even like, you're going to help me put the curtains up now. She's like, you're going to get out of here. You want to frighten us. You want to get us out, me and my children. You've wanted to take over this house ever since the first day you arrived. Now you give me those keys. 
I will not ask again. You should try and calm down now. Give me the keys. Give them to me. And now get out of here. Uh, because you're a threat. She demands the keys like three times and when Mrs. Mills refuses them, she points the gun at Mrs. Mills. Yep. So and then Miles, Mrs. What is Mrs. Mills, yeah, she's just like, all right, well, see you later. She's like, here are the keys. And she's like, oh, get out of here. And then when they leave the house, Mrs. Mills is like, well, I've just had about enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just see there's a montage of Nicole tearing through the house trying to find the curtains. And I guess she doesn't find them right I don't think she finds them but she does find a photograph oh yeah wait not yet because I think all of this is coinciding this is really well edited well written because I guess it's just it got dark out so the kids are in their room again yeah um and and um this is when Anne's like I'm out of here I'm running away I'm getting the fuck out of here I think she says I'm finding my dad and again you see Anne's gumption because she climbs down this pipe She's like, I'm leaving. I'm that was amazing. And it's like, girl, I mean, they still think they're gonna die when the sun comes out. So it's like, what do you think you're gonna do? And especially if the house is all locked, you can't get unless you're climbing back up the window. And and then Nicholas follows her after she gives him a hard time. Oh, what's that? She keeps calling him cowdy cowdy custom. Yeah. But but then he follows her and she's all proud of him and yeah. yeah, while they're wandering the grounds, Nicole goes up to the servant's bedroom and tears it up. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait. So when Ms. Mrs. Mills is leaving, she's like, uncover the gravestones. Yeah. Yep. So they do that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so Nicole is like, she tears up the servant's quarters and gets what she finds. A photo. Yeah, but it seems like they left it there for her because it's just a single photo sticking out. Um, they definitely left it for her to find. And what's on the photo? It's the three of them dead. Dead, yeah, all three of them. And it says 1891 on it. So yep. so they've been dead for 54 years. Uh, and it, Yeah. And so Nicole is frantic and she's like running and she's like, children, where are you? Oh, and then at this exact point in time, Anne discovers the, the gravestones and then she sees these three servants are all dead. She turns around and they're creepily stalking towards Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas. So Anne is at the gravestones and Nicholas yeah. is a little further back. And then further from Nicholas is the three staff people yeah. like walking really creepily towards at, them. At this very deliberate pace, like slow and it's creepy. And then Anne's like, they're dead. Get, get over here. Sheets and clanking chains. You said that. I don't care what I said. Get away from them. You're always teasing me and telling lies. And I'm sick I'm of it. I'm not teasing you. I'm telling the truth. Come here. <laughs> And he's like, no, they're not. You told me that ghosts all look like they're all covered in sheets or whatever. She's like, I don't care what I said. Get over here. Finally, he's like, oh shit, believes her and then runs towards her. And so while they're screaming, they're like, mommy. Nicole Kidman is like, children. <laughs> With her shotgun. She's so yeah. epic. She's 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 um so good. She's like, get in the house, get in the house. Uh, the three people led by the the ringleader, Mrs. Mills, 
they're walking up the stairs and she's like, stop right there. Stop right there. I'll shoot. <laughs> Don't come any closer. Don't move. <laughs> Trouble yourself, man. Tuberculosis finished us off more than half a century ago. They keep advancing. Nicole shoots at them. It does nothing. And then Mrs. Mills is like, that won't do any good. The tuberculosis finished us off more than half a century ago. Uh, <laughs> so Nicole's like, oh. she throws the gun and just runs back in the house and locks the door. And yeah, okay, so I, I'm i trying to understand this part. Mrs. Mills tries to open the door and she can't. I think, does she try to open the door or does yeah, she no, just stop? No, Mrs. Mills, she turns the handle, it's locked. And then she's like, open the door, ma'am. Oh, okay. Of course, Nicole's like, fuck no. Um, But so what are the, what's happening there? Is it just because psychically Nicole is not ready to let them in as it were? I think so. I think that could be a reason. Because the way they interact with this environment, it's as if physical laws apply. They can't just wander through the walls. But we can imagine that in the world of the others, the human world, they are moving through walls and stuff. But in this realm, I guess the laws of physics still apply because they can't just walk through the door. (laughs) Yeah. This scene is really well shot in that it go from Nicole to the door, back to Nicole, back to the door. And this whole time you're like scared that they're going to get through. And they're just creepily standing there just in the shadows. Um, and, and Nicole is again, losing it. She's like, there are no intruders. She keeps repeating to herself that there are no intruders. There are no intruders. And they keep saying that would be the others up there. You, the, you're in there right now with them. And suppose we do leave you. Do you think they will? Who? The intruders. There are no intruders. They took the curtains down. Oh, yes, I assure you it was them. And now they're in there with you and the children. Waiting for you. No! Yes. And believe me, sooner or later, they'll find you. And the Mrs. Mills is like, you're going to have to confront them now. Yeah. So um, Nicole tells the children to run upstairs and hide in the wardrobe. And there's a moment of closure, a very lovely moment where Nicholas rushes into Nicole's arms and for comfort. And then um, so, does Anne. so does Anne. She hesitates at first, but then she rushes in. And then like, oh, Nicole's face, her acting when Nicole, when Anne embraces her, it's so good. And she's crying and she's like, go, go hide children. And she takes out her rosary and she's just like, she's doing an Our Father. Got her clutching her rosary. And, uh, oh yeah, they're, so the, the children are hiding in the wardrobe and they hear this creepy breathing. Again, Nicholas starts hyperventilating and Anne's like, shut up. <laughs> she like puts her hand over his mouth and then they just hear this raspy breathing. And, and it's not them. No. And then the door flies open and it's the scary medium. And then at the same time, Nicole is, she enters whatever room that, I don't know what room that is. Uh, whatever. I don't know what room. I think in. it was the, was it the children's room? Yeah. Then, but then all of a sudden empty, right? Cause yeah. she's still crossed over. So it's no longer full of her kids stuff. It's now like an empty room with a table and there are like a bunch of people sitting around this table 
and there's this old woman and her eyes are almost completely white. There's a film over her eyes and she's just scribbling, right? Scribbling on the paper. She's, what is that called when they go into some kind of trance or? I don't know. Yeah. She's in a trance state. Yeah. Just kind of scribbling and there's, she has an interpreter and there's like three other people, adults at the table. And they're asking questions to the children. children. Tell me what happened. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. If I tell her, they'll leave us in peace. Why are you crying, children? What happened in this room? What did your mother do to you? And she's scribbling and Anne tells, I think, does she whisper it to her? Yeah, she's like, children, why do you... <laughs> My impression of this. <laughs> what happened to you? Or... Why did you remain here? And what did your mother do to you? Whatever. It's really scary. And Nicole's acting really is as if her deepest, darkest secret is being revealed right now. And it is. The horror on her face. Because... And yeah, she goes to the old woman and whispers to her, but we don't hear what Anne is saying. But then you just hear the translator guy going, Something about a pillow. Is that how she killed you? With a pillow. And the old woman is like, Is that how she killed you? And you're like, Dun dun dun. And the little girl's face, Anne's face, when she says this is so good. Yeah. She's just like, What? <laughs> So everybody, Anne is learning that she did. Nicole. Um, Nicole. Yeah. They're all learning at the same time. Yep. Yeah. And this is when she is interacting with the human world because they start yelling, we're not dead over and over again. Children, if you're dead, why do you remain in this house? We're not dead. <gasps> why do you remain in this we're house? We're not dead. Not dead. And then Nicole goes over and starts banging on the table, shaking it and tearing the papers apart. And then there's these great edits of here's what the humans are experiencing. Yes. For the first time we see what, what What they are witnessing. Yeah. So it's just like the table shaking, right? And uh, paper, yeah, tearing up papers. So there's just like papers flying around. We're not dead. We're not dead. And then I guess they kind of, oh, wait. I, we switched to the human world now for a bit, yep. don't we? Yeah, we switched to their world. Um, we There's the, the husband and the wife and the wife is saying, we need to move out of here. Yeah. Yeah. One of them is the the medium, this older woman in this really cool outfit. It's I guess this is supposed to be 1945, but it almost looks art deco. It's cool. Well, yeah. So people could be wearing clothes yeah. from their past. And she's like, what happened? Because she can't see. I mean, she must have heard there was a commotion and stuff. But then one the one guy's like, uh, I guess we made contact. <laughs> And the the medium is like, with all three of them, the mother and two children. And they're like, yes. And then, okay, this actress is Michelle Fairley, who was on Game of Thrones. Okay. But she was Catelyn Stalk. But she's in this for a bit as the lady of the house. And 
And then the dad, who's a little too nonchalant, he's like, we don't know what they want yet. Like, he's considering staying there. Yeah, he's cool with it. And she's just like, oh, excuse me. It's clear what happened. This woman went mad, killed her children and shot herself. So far, we have handled this matter your way. But now you listen to me. We can't possibly stay in this house any longer. It is quite clear that these beings do not want us to live here. We don't know anything about them yet. Yes, we do. We know the woman went mad, smothered her two children, and then shot herself. That's quite enough. And so she's like, we're getting the hell out of here. So he, yeah, he concedes and he's like, all right, we'll leave tomorrow. Like literally in the morning. I guess you have, they're just going to have their, the help pack all their stuff up for them because they're just like, we're out of here. Yeah, they just leave. But um, we have a great scene with Grace with her two children and she's explaining. This is so good. I think I want to just include the whole scene here. Yeah. This is a great monologue. And um, I love Nicole's journey, not just within the scene, but the whole movie. It's it's a journey of this desperate conviction that she's barely holding on to. It's very fragile, moving into acceptance. Because the kid, the children are like, I don't remember. I think it's Nicholas who's like, well, if we're dead, how come we're not in limbo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nicole's just like, I don't know. Maybe there isn't a limbo. She and she says, "I'm no wiser than you are." Yeah, for so the first time, she doesn't have an answer to one of their questions. Have an answer, and she's accepting that. He's embracing uncertainty. It's a really beautiful journey yeah. for this, this character. But yeah, I don't know how she handled this material because she's basically saying, telling to her children, "Yeah, I did kill you." But like the way she delivers it is so good. First, I couldn't understand. She has a great, I think it's just very nuanced way of, if you can put your, you can put yourself in the kid's position of still being able to love your mom, even though this abuse has happened. She's clearly lost her mind. She's yeah. taken leave of her senses. That's the only way any, I think anyone would do this, right? Right. And they're clinging to her and she's holding them. And yeah, when she says, I'm no wiser than you are, I don't understand why, I don't understand why we're still, why we're existing yeah, in this capacity. And that's when Mrs. Mills comes in. So see, Rachel, this is what I'm thinking is that because last we saw Mrs. Mills, she was locked out of the house. But now that Nicole 
Mill has moved into a place of acceptance, she's Mrs. In. Mills just shows up. She didn't have to let her in. She just, she's in the house. That's when she reveals, oh, that's the last thing Lydia ever said was, where are we? said the very same thing when she realized the three of us were dead and that was the last time she ever spoke but I couldn't tell you that before now shall I make us a nice cup of tea I love Mrs. Mills. She's just like, how would I just make us a cup of tea? I <laughs> love that. I want Mrs. It's, I want it's such a comforting thing to say. I want ghost Mrs. Mills to make me a cup of tea. Like, this is cool. Now we don't have to spend eternity alone. There's yeah. six of us, right? And then, oh yeah. So then Mrs. Mills is like, I'm going to go make tea. And, and that's when Nicole is like, she says the line where she's like, and uh, I know that I love you and this house is ours. And she's like, say it with me, children. And then they start whispering, this house is ours, this house is ours. And then we just see their voices echoing throughout the house. Ooh, it's so good. You were dead, this little bone. I don't know if there even is a little bone. I'm not wiser than you are. But I do know that. It's yeah, it's amazing. It's exceptional. It's so good. And then this is the, the very last scene. The children are dancing around in the light. And they're like, it doesn't hurt anymore. And this is the one scene. And I think this is has symbolic significance because the entire movie, the house has been enshrouded in fog. But the last scene, we get sunshine. And I think it's Nicole has clarity now. She She's accepted her reality. She's accepted it. So the last we see her, it's sunny outside. And we see her gazing out of the window with her children. And she says, oh, I can make us leave this Yeah. We see her through the window and they just sort of fade away. And is Victor is the last one looking up at Victor them. Victor is staring up and you're like, oh, Victor's trauma. Oh, Victor. Poor Victor. <laughs> Poor Victor. And they're just pulling away and there's a for sale sign. It's like, who the hell is going to live in this house now? And well, that's the other thing is like, thinking about it, the servants disappeared a week ago. Who bought this house within a week? Of- I know that's the thing that screwed me up with the timeline, Rachel, because I know you said a week, but at one point she does say two weeks. Oh, does she? Yeah, she's like two weeks ago. The servants left us in the middle of the night with no word. I thought she said one week, but you could be right. But even if it was two, that's like no time. I mean, literally this woman killed her children and herself. And within two weeks, the local people have cleaned and emptied the house and offered it up for sale. And this island is so desolate. You think it would have a hard time finding a market. And I guess it, it seemed like the people moving there were really posh. So they and I mean that house was gorgeous. So they must Maybe have they got a good deal. 
They're like, oh, what a deal. And it's because, and this is, I mean, this is pre-internet. They don't know what happened in that house. But like, you think like they would? Like like someone, there would have been whisperings of- That would have been a sensation. That would, oh, you're right. Even in, I mean, 1945 gossip still existed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they would have heard, yeah, this woman killed her children and then herself, but- Especially if it was so recent. I could see if it were like 50 like, years ago. Like but... literally two weeks, yeah. two weeks ago this happened and and they're being haunted. I guess they really wanted that place. And I don't know. We, we don't know. I don't, I, I don't know, but what a great movie. It was, yeah, it was really, really good. I loved watching it knowing, going into it, knowing the ending. Yeah. I also thought Rachel that so you like doing the math, it says that the servants died in 1891 and this is 1945. So it would have been 54 years, right? Yeah. yeah. 50, 54 years. So if a ghost died 54 years, like if we were right now being haunted by a ghost that died 54 years ago, it would have been 1969. Oh, so that's pretty damn recent. <laughs> so I was thinking, cause like the wardrobe, the costuming is really good in this movie. Cause all the servants are dressed like 1891. Yeah. But it doesn't seem weird. Cause it seems like this is a very isolated place where these working class people very well might be dressed like it's 1891 and it doesn't seem too odd. Yep. And then, um, like servants clothes, they don't tend to keep up with fashion. At least back then. Yeah. Right. Like back when there were people that we called servants, right? Yeah. We don't, yeah. We probably call them staff now. Yeah. Servants, my servants. Um, but yeah, this is very isolated place where you could believe that. Yeah. These, these people have been, they are dressed like this in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They're not like keeping up with the fashions of the outside world. Well, imagine if you saw a ghost from 1969. It would just look like a hipster. Yeah, it could just look like a hipster. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, the young people are dressing like 90s, but there are hipsters dressing like it's 1916. Like Lana Del Rey, she's trying, you know what I mean? You would just be like, that's a fashion statement. I would believe it. I would would be like, oh, cool. But I wouldn't be like, impossible, you're a ghost. (laughs) That's the only possible explanation for why you're dressed this way. (laughs) Rachel. That was a great movie. Final thoughts, though? Um, so my favorite scene. Well, what, what's your favorite scene, Em? Mm. Oh, God. Probably Nicole's final monologue. It's so damn good. And it's like a single take. She's so good in this movie. I loved the fog scene when she finds her oh, husband. She, it's scary. It's scary, but it's like anticlimactic again because yeah. it's all, everything's foggy. She can't see any this a person coming towards her, but then it ends up being someone that you she love. wants to see. She wants yeah. to see. I love that. Yeah. So um, what do you what do you think is happening there? Like on a metaphysical level, she just can't leave, right? Yeah, she can't. She can't leave. Um, I don't know if they would ever be able to move on. She's just tied to the. I think she's tied to the house and then she's made a resolution in the end. This is our house. This is this house is ours. We're like, not leaving. He moved on because even the kids asked, like, are we going to see Daddy again? And she's like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, and I'm appeased with that, basically. She's like, um, but uh, yeah. But so I'm gonna, it, wait, go ahead. It's sad for the children thinking about if oh. they never move on, they're just gonna stay children forever. Forever. Oh God. Yikes. You're right. Um, wait, 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 wait. So do you, like, why do you think the father showed up at that exact moment though? Was that to keep her from leaving? Did he manifest or 
<laughs> or was it just con- like coincidental that he showed up at the like the house? I, the- I think that he was wandering the woods trying to find the house forever. He like just, since like, he died, and then she when she happened to she was drawn. To, they were drawn to each they other. They were drawn together. Okay, good. Yes, good. Oh, Rachel. Speaking of interview with a vampire, isn't a point in that? Isn't so? Isn't her name Claudia Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, I think so. She's upset because she's never going to age, right? Yes. But she wants to experience adult love, right? And yeah. uh, she can't do that in her body. Yeah. But maybe in this, the world, the, the universe that this writer director has created, the children don't have adult, like they're not going to have adult desires, but be trapped in. Hopefully. You'd hope so, right? That would suck. I <laughs> hope so. Or I, I think- hope they find some way to move on. Yeah, or they're just, yeah, or they're just in this state of perpetual innocence, uh, childhood forever. Which I mean, there are worse ways to exist. I don't, well, I don't only, know. The good thing is that the sunlight doesn't affect them anymore. So that's right, they, they can, can now, go outside in the day. They don't have to worry about the curtains. They don't have to lock the doors. Yeah, they can just run around outside. Yeah. So the whole time, the house really felt like a prison with the fog. Yeah. And the doors being locked, and curtains. the and yeah. they also said that they didn't have any electricity, or they didn't have any TV or radio. Oh, yeah, because Nicole is like, the Germans shut off the, uh, we lost the power when the when the invasion happened and we just got used to living without it. And that's when she's like, I don't like the racket. She, that's when she brings up her migraine. She's like, I don't like the radio. I don't think anything that makes a noise. I don't like a telephone. I don't, yeah. So she kind of lays out, we live without electricity and yeah. any kind of modern technology. So in the end, the, the prison feels not as much as a prison because the children can now interact with the light. Yeah. And they, Nicole's character seems at peace, right? Yeah. She seems like she's found some kind of peace. So when you just listen to the plot, you're like, holy shit, that is dark. This woman killed her kids. But I don't feel bad watching the movie. I think it's just Nicole's performance is so good that you sympathize with this woman and understand her um, and you're invested in her journey. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So good. Amazing. Definitely a classic that I would watch again and again because I own this on streaming. This is a movie I'll watch like every year probably. (laughs) It's great for this time of year. Oh, yeah. It's so good. So, Rachel, what would you rate the movie? (laughs) Oh, 10 out of 10. Hell yeah. It's a modern classic. 10 keys. 10 uh, spirit (laughs) children. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. Ten possessed mediums. I don't know. <laughs> um, excellent, excellent. So, so Rachel, um, I'm sad that Kiki's not here for this. Oh yeah, we didn't mention that Kiki had to leave. <laughs> uh, Kiki had to she had, she couldn't uh, stay with us for the the entire review. But okay, so let's talk about the movies that you're gonna that you wanted. Oh, oh, oh yeah. So we'll probably be doing um. What did we what did we mention, Rachel? So we mentioned The Secret Garden. Yeah. Practical Magic are the ones that I'm probably going to be interested in. And then uh, let's see. Us. Jordan Peele's Us. Um, Crimson Peak. These are all possibilities. I don't know if we'll end up doing all of them. Um, Jennifer's Body. Uh, <laughs> the underworld, like I said. I, I it's I don't it's bad, but like it might be fun to cover. And then there's some some classics. So like Hitchcock's Rebecca. Sunset Boulevard, uh, leave her to heaven. So those are some exciting movies coming up. 
potential potentials. Yep. But we've had fun today, haven't we? Yep, we've had tons of fun. And um, where do, where can they follow you, Emily? Oh, yes, on Instagram at Female Driven Podcast on Instagram. And like, I think I've mentioned we have a Gmail, but I've never checked it. <laughs> like, I don't know that Kristen has either, and I don't know the password. So don't email. Don't need. Don't even. So yeah, we haven't even. <laughs> If I end up checking it, it's just like one spam email. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's, you know, hit us up on Instagram, y'all. And uh, if you're going to try to interact with us, just do it there. Like, you know, whatever. Comment, comment, like, subscribe, DM. If you want to guess, yeah, we'd be happy to have you. So, But don't email. No, no. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. This house is ours. This house is ours. We're not leaving. This house is ours. (laughs) This podcast is ours.